Hey everyone, it's Tom Gradza. So listen, when we first decided to sit down with Daniel Ott and talk about tiny homes, I thought we were just going to be talking about tiny homes, the kinds that you see on HGTV. And if you haven't seen them, there are these TV shows all about these tiny homes that are built on basically flatbed truck trailers. Am I saying that right? You know, the trailers that go behind big 18-wheeler trucks, the flatbed ones, and they build little homes on these things. These homes are like, you know, up to, I guess, a max of... I don't even know. It's like 300 square feet, maybe 400 square feet. The one Daniel talks about is 280 square feet. So it's basically building a little home on the flatbed truck and they make these TV shows about this and people live in these homes and they park them all around the US. Um, and apparently some of this stuff is going on right here in Ontario. And I thought we were going to be talking about that because Daniel builds these things. But it got a lot more interesting to me that when we about, I don't know, 20 minutes into the conversation, we started talking about, Daniel started explaining how some of these tiny homes could be used to really up the income on existing income properties that you may already own. Or if you buy a brand new rental property, how a tiny home really might be able to enhance the income on the existing property. I was actually kind of blown away, started thinking about all the possibilities of this. So I'll let uh, I'll let the podcast do the talking. You'll hear us chat about that. But that really got my attention. So really cool guy. We're just getting to know each other now. That's the first time we really got a chance to sit down and, and chat. We were kind of introduced by a mutual friend. And uh, he has a, a, a really kind of good story about his life and contracting and how he got to tiny homes. He talks about Airbnb and using Airbnb on his tiny home. So I'll let you hear all that stuff um, on the episode. And listen, if you are listening to this and you want to invest in some real estate and you're not sure what to do because you think home prices are overpriced or underpriced or too expensive or too cheap or interest rates are going up or going down or whatever it is, we will share with you all our opinions on this stuff and how we're doing it with real estate investors right across Ontario. The best way to get that information from us is to come out to one of our introductory training classes. You have to register for that class. The best way to register for that class is by going to the URL www.CanadianRealtor.com realestatetraining.com. So that's www.canadianrealestatetraining.com. Does anyone say www anymore? I don't really think so. Everyone kind of knows you www. You don't even have to put it in the browser anymore. Anyway, canadianrealestatetraining.com is the URL to go to if you want to register for our class. Both Nick and I are there. We give the class. We stick around afterwards, answer all your questions. Um, so that's where to go. A lot of people will use that class because they will bring a spouse or a friend who they want to invest in who's not convinced to come out and meet us and chat and get to know how we do all this kind of stuff. So it's been really useful for that as well. So with that, let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, everyone. Hey, it's Tom Kradza. I have Daniel Ott. Such a nice, simple last name. I wish I grew up with a last name like that. Ours is like Kradza, and everyone's like, how the heck do you spell that? Ott is like the best last name. Do you even have to spell it for people? All the time. Because it's two Ts. Well, yeah. And so when you when you cross them, people think it's an H. So oh, you get you get it. mail for like oh, Daniel my God. O. o? Yeah. Oh, my God. Or so, how do you spell that? And you spell it for them like, oh, I should have known that. <laughs> so Daniel... Daniel kind of, um, Daniel and I are just getting to know each other right now. Um, we met through a mutual friend, um, Jason, how do I pr pronounce Jason's Gervais. last name? Gervais. Gervais? I always want to say like Gervais, Gervais. 
Gervais. Um, and uh, Jason ran up to us at one of our events and said, hey, I know this crazy guy. I mean crazy in a good way. Yeah, of course. And a uh, crazy guy, he builds these tiny homes. Um, you got to get to know him. Um, but before we dive into the tiny home bit, I need to understand how to, to get to that, to be able to build these. And if you don't know what a tiny home is, can you maybe describe what's a, what's a, like a tiny home? Oh, man. So definitions are changing. Here's the biggest problem with the whole industry itself. There is no definition. Yeah. yeah Legally, yeah. there's no definition. So what most people think of because they watch the shows is a very small house that's built on a trailer. Now, that may not necessarily be what we're doing here. And the, like I said, the definitions are changing. But... Um, Essentially, we're looking at a living space of less than 500 square feet. Got it. So in 500 square feet, you put, so, so you mean you, cause you build these tiny homes, Yeah. but from what I saw on your website, I think you're building them the way I see them on like HGTV and stuff on a trailer bed sometimes or not. So not all the time. What are you building? You tell me. Whatever you want me to Tom. Yeah, really. So you got, so you have people coming up to you and building, I guess, tiny homes like, uh, on in, in kind of, I guess in cottage, just all over the place. So we're just getting into this thing. Okay. Right. So I feel like it's a brand new world. It, it is, especially for Ontario. Ontario is way behind from the rest of North America. Quebec, it's huge. Is it? Yeah. There, like for instance, there's over 30 community projects going on right now in Quebec surrounding tiny homes. Like tiny home villages? Yeah. Which is I feel really like what like I want to be talking about with you here. Really? That's what we're getting into. But Really? Where yeah. in Quebec they're building... And the uh, whole, not subdivisions, but I guess little communities. I feel and like I'm saying you're little. At, yeah, you're starting way early. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow, <laughs> that's crazy. And the attraction to this in Quebec, I guess, is the cost of the shelter itself is going to be way less than a traditional uh, home. That should be the advantage everywhere. I just think perhaps the bylaws were less stringent in Quebec earlier and they were able to do it. But you also see it in BC and Alberta, but Quebec is actually way ahead. Just no one knows about anything that's going on in Quebec. So they're really building full-out communities of all tiny homes. Yeah, and Five these of- things are get, starting to get approved um, in different places. Uh, there, a, a couple weeks ago, one in Edmonton was approved. Um, no so way. this is starting to happen more and more. In the Why States, there's a bunch of them. are behind in Ontario? Uh, I don't know. I feel like we're always behind on everything in Ontario. Yeah. Um, so, and the reason... Th- the, you said something about like bylaws. What would bylaws have to do? Is this because of like sep- like su- just the, 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 the municipal sewage systems that are required for these types of communities and stuff? It, essentially, it comes down to what we started with, the definition. So bylaws are all about interpretation, but you need a definition in order to interpret. Yeah, got it. So a detached dwelling in Ontario has always been 800 square feet or more. No way. So in a condo building, it's not detached, right? They're all attached. You're allowed to do it. Or if we, um, another thing, which sure we'll get into eventually, <laughs> um, but we do a lot of duplex conversions. And uh, I mean, oftentimes our the basement apartment is not 800 square feet, but that's because it's part of a bigger building. Got it. Okay. But as a detached building. Like a standalone thing in yes. and of itself under 800 square feet is not allowed or has not been allowed um and then the other so laneway houses for instance is one way that now all of a sudden they've created something as a detached dwelling that's allowed to be less than 800 square feet in fact the bylaw in hamilton reads a maximum of 50 square meters which is 550 square feet got it so can we just make a community of lane well laneway dwellings 
get around the bylaw. <laughs> I find that's ridiculous that uh, it's so, and with so much stuff that we deal with, whether you're dealing with like CRA or any of the real estate uh, boards that we deal with, no one ever makes a ruling on anything. It's almost like you have to go do something and then based on what you've done, they'll tell you if that was right or wrong. But you've already gone off and done it, right? So like that's kind of like a downside. <laughs> I found just I find just with dealing with government agencies as a whole. Oh yeah. No one wants to kind of take the lead and say, Okay, Daniel, here's what you can and can't do. It's more like oh, yeah. go do something and then we'll tell you all the reasons it was okay or why why it's not okay and you have to kind of tear this whole thing down. Yeah. In the um, business I've been running for seven years now, the other one mentioned yet yeah, yeah. um we um what's the name of that one a white willow design okay so we do building design mostly home design some small light commercial um this, so that's where we do the duplex conversions um but almost 40 percent of our time is just spent with yeah, red got tape it. yeah yeah, yeah. Got and it. you think of something like um the niagara escarpment commission is one of the worst ones they don't even have a set of rules to follow they just say submit an application we'll tell you if we like it yeah, got it. So then you submit it and they tell you, well, we don't really like that. Well, how big would you like the driveway? Oh, I don't know. Just try again. Yeah, got it. Yeah, yeah. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. <laughs> makes me furious. Yeah. Um, so when you talk about duplex conversion, sometimes we use the language like a legal second suite in yep. in a is the same kind of stuff. You're, that's yeah, what exactly. you're talking about. Yeah. So you've help you help people. If I own if I own in Hamilton or Stony Creek or somewhere a bungalow, and I want to turn it into like a legal duplex with a legal second suite in it, yeah, you'll walk people through that. Yeah, this is where it gets interesting because we deal with a lot of different municipalities. In Burlington, Oakville, they're second suites. They're, um, or in Burlington, it's actually called accessory apartment. In Hamilton, there is no such thing. It's it's full on duplex. So it, it it's helpful in some ways and not helpful in other ways. Um, but because our offices are in Hamilton, we do most of and most of the best investments are in Hamilton. Then we do a lot of our duplex. Look at you building up Hamilton. Hamilton. Are you yeah. born in Hamilton? Uh, no. I no? wasn't. Oh, okay. No, but I've, I've I lived you were in, in Hamilton most of my okay, life. So, okay. Yeah. Hamilton, I feel like Hamilton's like something I always have to defend because I grew, I was born in Toronto, but raised in Mississauga. And just kind of when you're raised in Mississauga and you always go in Toronto for everything you seem to need, you're born to kind of like look down on Hamilton for some reason. And I feel like over yeah. the last 15 years, I've been trying to re-educate my, you know, all my friends and saying Hamilton has been like the golden goose. There's so much <laughs> opportunity out there. Well, so, it should have been, it was better opportunity 10 years ago. Oh man, it was right? amazing. I listen, I remember Nick and I were just talking about this. We remember we were working with an investor and he bought a um, a semi detached from us on the Hamilton Mountain, a four level backsplit, which is absolutely huge. Like it's a yeah. huge property for one hundred and ninety five thousand dollars. And I remember him thinking I remember his words were, oh, Tom, I mean, the last one just sold for like one eighty seven. I obviously overpaid on yeah. this. And I'm like, hey, you have to think about, look at the rent you're going to get on this property. Look at your carrying costs. Look at the cash flow on this thing. Yeah. This is a good deal. Don't worry about the difference in, in price on those two things. And Nick and I, I think, were a little bit panicked at that time because we were like, holy smokes, man, prices are getting too high. Yeah. You know, and this was, now we look back on those days, we're like, why didn't we just buy entire streets at a time? Oh, yeah, for sure. So, uh, okay, so your primary company, though, is White Willow. You've been helping people do this primarily, I guess, investors or people who already want to build a duplex out of the home they're living in? Um, that wasn't primarily that. We just kind of stumbled upon that, um, really. And uh, mostly through um, property managers. Got it. And um, one of those guys is now my business partner in True North Tiny Homes. Oh, cool. Yeah. And because of that, that kind of opened doors of, um, you know, we mutually built up our businesses together by um, helping each other out in that way. And so because of that, we he wanted to 
well, actually, when I first mentioned tiny homes, he thought I was crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think tiny homes is the coolest thing yeah. ever. But then he started looking into it and what, how he could sell it to investors. And um, he was like, oh, you might be onto something here. Like, uh, how much do you need for me to buy in? <laughs> right? So I gave him a number. He's like, all right. I I'm in. I should have I given a bigger number. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, first rule of negotiation. But, uh, um, okay, so before we get back into the tiny homes yeah. thing, I just want to understand, White Willow Design, you will literally, because uh, people will need design. If you're going to make a, a like an accessory unit, a legal second yeah. suite, a duplex, whatever we're going to call it, you typically need some designs. Uh, you're going to work with contractors. Uh, you know, there's a multiple steps kind of just throughout that process. So you, you will walk an investor client right through the whole thing. You'll do design work. You are the contractor yourself. Um, we don't do the contracting just because of the way I built up White Willow by, um, kind of partnering myself with other contractors. It's kind of like Got it. Okay. shooting the person who feeds you. Yeah, totally. Okay. So we'll refer people to contractors, but we, but we don't do that ourselves. Um, a lot of a lot of investors, when they're starting, will try to do it themselves anyways. So, I mean, we'll help them with that because that's not really, they're not going to hire a contractor anyway, so we're not really hurting the people. Yeah, <laughs> keep got doing it. Those jobs. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, we help with the, um, I mean, the biggest thing is figuring out those bylaws and how to get around it and what that actually means and the fact that the majority of projects we do in Hamilton, for instance, need a, um, a minor variance for the parking situation, Yeah. right? And we just walk them through how that's going to work and what kind of fees they're going to um, be paying to the city based on our experience. It opens a lot of people's eyes sometimes like, oh, I didn't know that would happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I think it's pretty important to get someone um, with some of this experience because if you try to do it yourself, um, it's it's kind of, it can be a little trickier process than most people think. And But you are a hard person to find. Not many people. Um, there's someone else we have had on this podcast that works with us through Rockstar, Andy Tran, who does some of that work yeah, as yeah, well. Do you know Andy? Yeah. Okay. And uh, you would only be the second person that we've come across who's telling us, yeah, this is what we do. We kind of help people through. Yeah. So uh, definitely an in-demand service. And I think over the next 10 and 20 years in this area, it's going to be more in demand as uh, housing becomes more and more of a problem. Right. Uh, and people move into smaller and smaller homes. Yes. Um, so where do you see the whole tiny home angle? What was your first? So you're running this design company. What was your initial vision for tiny homes? Was it seeing something? I'm actually going to back you up because okay. before that, I was a contractor. Got it. And uh, I was partners with my dad. We worked with him for 10 years. But we we realized through that, I, I have this gift of, of being in one industry and seeing what's missing out there and then moving on and filling that gap. <laughs> so, so this is what's happening again. Um, but as a contractor, we're seeing a bunch of um, missing things. So we would get clients, um, not investor type clients, but um, who would give us a set of drawings that they had done by someone and say I, uh, one of two things. Um, this is what we have. It's not quite what we wanted. I don't think the guy understood what we were looking for. And we're like, well, then why do you want us to quote that? Or we'd get, here's a set of drawings. We really love it. This is our budget. You're like, well, you can't give yeah, us two both. Things don't you know, sync like, up. Yeah. Either give us a set of drawings. We'll, we'll tell you what it's going to cost to build it. <laughs> yeah. Or you give us a budget. We'll tell you what we can that build for like that. That sounds like the way uh, my father might negotiate with you. Here's <laughs> what I want to build. And here's how much I'm going to pay you. Yes. You make these two things happen. <laughs> because usually when they, they did that, the second scenario there is, you know, if they had a budget of 200, the project was worth 500. Yeah, yeah, right. It. Like yeah, yeah, it was yeah. never, it was never for less. Impossible. Than that. No. And it's usually your fault that you couldn't get it done for the price. <laughs> okay. So, so we started seeing that um, 
the design companies, uh, regardless of what they were, because um, sometimes we got drawings from interior designers, sometimes from architects, whatever. But the design companies were not helping people properly. So we started doing them ourselves. And so you were asking the questions up front to exactly. get a better, yeah. Yeah. So then um, basically I ran the design division and my dad ran the build division of a design build firm. Awesome. Um, to a point where I realized that we, I couldn't help people properly that way. Um, either they weren't quite viewing, you're just a contractor who also does some drawings, right? Even though that's the only thing that I did. Um, which I also have a background in civil engineering as well. So like... <laughs> It's not like I have no idea what I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah, but because about, it was right? rolled in with the contracting, exactly. they didn't value it. Yeah. The other thing that they would say is, well, you're only telling me to design it this way because you're going to make more building it that way, mm-hmm. right? So it's kind of like conflicting messages. I wasn't viewed as the, um, you know, an unbiased expert. So we split up. He still does building. I just do design. And two separate companies now, though, right? So that's where White Willow was born. And now all of a sudden, I'm an unbiased expert, even yeah. though I have the same skill set. Yeah, of so course, I've built that over the years, yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah. So how long have you been doing it then? Uh, seven years. Seven years. Is your dad still around doing yeah. this stuff? Oh, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So um, I find that's how it always is the case. Like you were doing a value-added service as part of the contracting, but until people, it's broken out and people have to pay for it separately, no one values what you're doing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the kind of craziest thing. Yeah. Um, okay. So you're doing this. You went to school for civil engineering. Yeah. Um, and then I, did you start? I didn't get a ring though. I'll just just point that. No, out. that's okay. Engineers <laughs> go crazy over these freaking rings. All engineers <laughs> with that, that that ring and that stamp that you have to get. I, I just uh, I was supposed to go to school. So you at least went to school for engineering. I was supposed to go to school for engineering. Okay. And then when I discovered that I had to go downtown because I think St. Mike's College is downtown Toronto as part of U of T. I'm like, forget that. And I went to <laughs> U University of Toronto, the Mississauga campus that had okay. no engineering. Right. And uh, so I ended up with a psychology and a sociology degree. Um, How's that helping you now? It was pretty much, you know, I was going (laughs) to say useless, but actually some of the psychology stuff um, was, uh, has been useful over the years from a sales point of view. And some of actually the sociology stuff now that like, now I'm getting off topic, but socialism's coming back into a kind of trend in the States, sometimes in the politics. And some yeah. of the stuff that I took there um, is really all coming back into play. But anyway, yeah. I want to stick to you. Uh, <laughs> so you do that. You go to school. Um, you work contracting. You start the design company, Smart, to separate it out. And then how How does the – where do you see the opportunity for tiny homes? How did that come to be? So um, – First of all, working with uh, some of the property managers and things doing like basement suites, but sometimes basements just, you're starting with a shell, right? There's, there's only so much you can do there unless you start, you know, lowering the basement floor sometimes. And some, it just, some houses are just not built to be duplexed, right? Or or apartment. Um, But also even more on the other end, for the last three, three years, maybe four years, seen a lot of. Um, different things start coming about that starts you thinking. So, for instance, a lot of multi-generational homes that we're working on. So either um, parents are moving back in with their kids um, or, more often, people say, hey, look, my millennial lives in my basement. I really don't (laughs) want them to live there. What do I do? But they can't afford to buy anything. What do I do? So we've taken garages in Oakville and converted them into dwelling units. But they they can't be detached because the 800 square foot thing and you can't have two dwelling units on or two dwelling buildings on one property so then you 
Um, what a shame! I'm so even if it's it. detached, it can't. You, they can't no. do it. So you, but there's there's always ways. Like yeah, yeah, got it. I get really creative. With yeah, that. yeah, it's yeah kind I, of I can fun, tell right? just hearing you speak. Yeah, yeah, I get it. So we had a garage and we built another garage in front of it because she still needed a garage. And then we attached that garage to the house with a with a breezeway. And now all of a sudden it's a duplex. Yeah, got it. Okay, <laughs> really stupid, but I mean. I can see though. So you've probably made some cool, like cool expansions to a house just out of the garage space. Yeah, sometimes, um, but we've done second stories as well. So um, we recently uh, we've done a, f- a few of them actually, where the kids are um, coming back to live with their parents, yeah. um, maybe with a family, right? And we add a second story up top. But you spend, let's call it three hundred thousand, putting a really nice second story. It's still cheaper than buying a condo across the street. Yeah, totally. Right. Which is shocking to me now, but you're right. Absolutely. But I mean, <laughs> and the parents' house is worth way more. <laughs> yeah, but I think this is a trend that's going to, you're so on trend because this is a trend that's going to continue in Ontario. Yes. Like when I go over to, back to Europe and I either see my uh, wife's family in Italy or uh, some of our uh, families uh, in Croatia, no one, re- very few people kind of go out and buy a new home. They're all expanding an existing structure to make it a multifamily kind of home that they're living in. Yeah. Um, no one's really going into like a new subdivision where new homes are being built around Florence, Italy, and, you know, <laughs> buying their first starter home. Yeah. It's all usually multifamily in one home in one way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, it's a very North American idea to think that every generation coming out of university or school is going to go and buy their first starter home. And that trend's starting to change right now. Yes, I think you know? so. So yeah, I, I look at myself. Um, before I got married, I said, we have to buy a house, right? You can't rent. And now I rent because I'm like, I'm just going to use the deposit to invest in my companies. Yeah, yeah. It's normal. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, a few just a few years ago, that would have been like crazy. Now, yeah. so many of, uh, not so many, but a big percentage of investors we work with, um, a bigger percentage than I would have anticipated anyway, rent and are, buy, are using their yeah. rent to buy income properties, yeah. right? So totally. Um, okay, so you see this happening. Um, and you're building kind of tinier, I keep saying the word tiny, but you're building these other spaces inside existing houses. Yeah, or adding to them or whatever, yeah, but not, not you're not building a 2,500 square foot house, right? You're building a 1,200 square foot apartment yeah, or a 600 it. square foot apartment. Got it. Um, yeah, just kind of opening your eyes and you just sit back and, you know, some people might just be, oh, well, that's another project, let me go do it. I, I sit back and I go, huh, what does this mean? Like, what is the marketplace doing, right? And um, my wife is actually American. So she's actually been in a tiny homes for a while. And I think five years ago, she drew me a sketch of a tiny home and laid it on my desk for me to find in the morning. I'm like, I'm not moving into one of these. <laughs> this is a stupid idea, right? Um, but then when, um, and then I had a friend who wanted to build them as well. And I talked to him about three years ago and I said, the timing is not right. Like you're gonna just spin your wheels and not go anywhere. But last summer when Toronto and Hamilton both passed their laneway bylaws. Yeah, that's right, yeah. I said, it's time. Like we're, we got to get onto it now so that we're on the forefront because um, we're still going to have a struggle to get going and we're, we're still in that. Yeah, you're, well, you're ahead right? of the trend. You're early but in the trend. As soon as it becomes easy, everyone's going to start jumping on board. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I'd rather be um, when it starts to get easy that we're already the well-known name and away we go. Yeah. You, yeah. You almost need, you're in that phase where the marketplace needs to be educated in yes. this thing. And you're right in that phase of all of this. You're right. I feel like 10 years from now, we'll be past that educational phase, well past it. Oh, yeah. And people will be like into it. But we're just transitioning. People are still learning about laneway housing and all this kind of opportunity. Yeah. Um, can 
can you just describe laneway housing for someone who's never um, been exposed to that concept before? Yeah, sure. So there's there's all kinds of places in the older cities. So let's think Toronto and Hamilton are the oldest cities around. Burlington Oakville don't have any of this, but where there's a lot of old neighborhoods where they have an alley in the backyard, and off that alley are people's garages, often or over time those garages have disappeared. They would have originally maybe been where they stored their horses, right? It was in the backyard, not the front yard, because who would put horses in the front yard, right? Now we put garages in the front yard. But um, but even that trend's changing, but that's another story. Uh, so off of these alleys, though, and no one is parking there anymore, there's less cars. What do, Most of them are dilapidated garages or coach houses. I mean, people are calling them coach houses because that's what they were yeah, when there was yeah. horses in them. I mean... If they're still calling it a coach house, then it hasn't been used in a very long time. So what do we do with this space? And then this, the, um, the, the province mandated that every municipality um, allows for more density in, in the areas that didn't allow more density before. So you think of a, sure, you could knock out whole neighborhoods and build apartment buildings everywhere, but, um, or condo units or whatever the case. Um, I'm thinking of your last event where you kind of explained the difference. Talk- yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Remembering all that yeah. now. But, um, you're not going to take a house that's in perfect good shape and then knock down the neighborhood, right? So how do you uh, increase density there? So let's take these garages or even empty lots and create houses in the backyard. Um, the, the idea is that those will be owned by the main house and will be rental units. So it differs a little bit in Hamilton, Toronto. One of the biggest ways is that in some of the backyards in Toronto, people are building uh, 2,000 square foot homes in the alley. They are. Yeah. So, like, I see some of these plans. There's a three-bedroom home with a two-car garage in an alley. Wow. Right? Wow. Um, Talking about... They obviously have a big space. Yeah, maximizing the value that you're getting out of your property. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. But they'll never be owned, so it's always a rental. Oh, is that how it is? Okay, so you're not, like, subdividing your lot. Exactly. So they're trying to make sure that that never happens. Yeah, got it. Okay. So one of the ways um, is that the services of the laneway house have to be connected to the services of the main house and not to the street got it okay and that's how they're kind of protecting i guess the the services of the city yeah because everything yeah. has to go through the main house service so that yeah. like all the sewage and stuff is yeah. kind of like you're not yeah. building well i was going to say you're not building but this guy's building a 2000 yeah i know addition. so like that's going to have a lot of yeah yeah service capacity yeah. needed right whereas like i take the um the 280 square foot tiny house that we have on our website um, the model that we built um, that we currently have rented out on Airbnb. We'll talk about that soon. But um, it uses a 30-amp breaker and, like, not very much water. I mean, it's a one-bedroom yeah. unit. How much can people use, yeah, right? So you, you don't, you're not going to be using that much service. Now, in Hamilton, this, the lots are a lot smaller. So there's only so much that we can actually fit on it. So I actually designed um, um, a tiny house, laneway house, that basically has to be built as a modular unit where... Uh, the biggest thing about tiny homes now is that they don't meet Ontario building code for a multitude of reasons. One, you need them to be on a foundation, but you can take wheels off and put it on a foundation huh. or you can build it without um, a wheel well to start with, put, you know, temporary wheels on it, like a dolly just to Got bring it, it to the okay. site. Um, so our idea is hmm. to build it in a warehouse, bring it to site, take the wheels off, put it on the pier foundation that we'd prepared beforehand. Um, but often in a, in a tiny house, you think of a, a loft bed. Yeah, completely totally. doesn't meet Ontario building code because 50% of your ceiling has to be over seven feet. No way. Yeah. So all those HGTV tiny homes that I see where they have the loft bed up there, yeah. none of that would meet building code no, in Ontario. not at all. Now, yeah. I've devised a way to make it work. Um, you just kind of 
taking other ideas from here, there, and everywhere, and then trying to remember I was talking about being creative yeah, with yeah, the yeah. codes, and and I figured out some ways to make it work. But um, essentially, because of the ceiling height, we can't, and we can only be thirteen foot six off the ground to go down the road. So we Got have it. to build it in two pieces and then crane it in place on site. But you'd basically be with a, a footprint of ten by twenty four with a with a bedroom on top. Um, that cantilevers over a little bit. And then that allows for one parking space beside it because it's still more cost-effective to build it without the parking Got space it. being in a garage. This is a great opportunity for anybody in Hamilton. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, but so many people that... We still have hurdles to come over, though. So it's a great opportunity once these hurdles pass. So I what, think... What are the hurdles? So one of them is... Um, the mayor and the councillors and the planning department are all, wow, this is a great idea. This is how we're going to make it work. They left a lot of... They actually used... The same bylaw that allows for basement apartments. Okay. And they just altered it a little bit to also allow laneway houses, which is mm-hmm. awesome because I've done so many of those that I know exactly you know how it, the bylaw works. But really the limitations well. on that are. And then they added some limitations because obviously in a basement, okay. you're not going to talk about property setbacks. Yeah, yeah. But now we have to it. talk about setbacks again. Okay. But they left it very lenient, which is good from our point of view because we have a lot of room to work within. But it's bad in another way because there's a lot of room for interpretation yeah, you don't by know what's the city get people. Approved. Yeah. So, for instance, Damn. the engineering department has decided that the clause be connected to the main house services doesn't mean what everyone else thinks it means. So everyone else thinks, okay, well, we have to have a 25-foot setback from the main house. So we're going to dig a 25-foot trench. Yeah. And we're going to go to the basement. That's what it kind of means to me. So the engineering department says, oh, no, you have to trench to the front yard and connect it six inches in from the property line. Why? I don't know. But here's the problem. 80% of the homes in Hamilton don't have enough room between them to trench. <laughs> Got it. Oh, my God. So it's almost like, hmm, how can we take this great idea that the rest of the uh, and, city and, and hall And one liked? weird engineering requirement. Yeah. Like, what's the purpose of that? I thought the whole purpose of it was so that it would have to go through the main home's kind of sewage line to the street anyway. As a Well, way they're of, saying it still does, but they don't want to burden the, the, house. the main house. So let's connect like, I mean, it right whole, at the property. Yeah, like the whole concept, <laughs> it seemed like crazy. Then just it go is, right to the main line. It, it, it is crazy. So, yeah, but you can't do that either because, again, yeah, there's cause not you enough trench. You can't trench. For most of these places. So, like, there's some there's some battles going on right now. So um, you've brought this up to everyone's attention that you can, I'd imagine. Saying well, I'm working with another um, architect, Emma Cubitt, in, in Hamilton, who's been awesome. kind of pushing this the whole way. Um, but it's funny because it turns out that the she was just pushing for this to happen. And then it turns out that the bylaw that they use to make it happen is the one that I know better. Yeah, so got it. just interesting. But, um, but then another, um, another hurdle is how are they going to view parking? Because it falls into the other one that... So we might still need to do variances for the parking. And, okay, got um, it. Because but the, they're using the parking requirement that's required for the for seg- a legal duplex exactly. or whatever we're calling it in Hamilton. Yeah. Um, they're using the same requirement. Yeah. Okay. So and that requirement is, for anyone listening who doesn't know, that's that you need uh, two parking spaces, correct? We, essentially, one per unit. One per unit is the better yeah. way to say it, yeah. Which is actually interesting because we're doing another duplex conversion in Hamilton right now where... By creating the second apartment, we're reducing the number of needed parking spots by one. Because there's another bylaw that the number of finished rooms determines how many parking spots you need. Okay, and you're reducing And we're already at like 2.6, so you need three. And by creating a second apartment, we now only need two. Two, yeah. Which is Yeah, I love the government when it's bylaws. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you need a lot of patience to do what you're (laughs) doing. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, That's why I I hire staff. But I see the opportunity. Like if in Hamilton, there's a lot of properties where you can put a tiny home now on the lot 
And I don't know what you're seeing in like the way we're seeing legal second suites or uh, auxiliary units or duplexes in Hamilton is we see a lot of basement units renting out for $1,400 a month, which us is like crazy because we used to rent out a whole house for about 1500 Yeah. Right. So to see uh, the basement being rented out for 1400 kind of yeah. just blows our mind. And we see more than that sometimes. We yeah. also see less than that. I'm just yeah. kind of giving a ballpark number there. So now take those same people and put them above ground. Yes. Yeah. With bigger you, windows. Yeah. What? So have you done these in laneways building these? tiny homes um we haven't done one yet because one of the biggest hurdles is that trench getting out no there's there because the way it falls in the city is determining it to be a separate new detached home so it has thirty-eight thousand dollars development charges no so you buy a hundred thousand dollar tiny house from us and then pay forty thousand dollars to the city to for the privilege of building it man because this seems like a huge opportunity well it is so they had a vote okay and it's going to change down to seven hundred and eighty dollars great but not until july 6th well, yeah, okay, and I can live with that though. But what about this whole trenching to the city for the sewage? So, like I said, there's some there's some battles going on right now. As soon as we know the the outcomes, of, I'm I'm confident that the councilors and the mayor are not going to allow it to stay the way it is, and that they will say no, we're going to allow it to go through the. I'm just thinking because Nick and I have a couple properties I know in Hamilton that would meet, I think, the criteria with setbacks and everything. Yeah, where we could do something like this on those properties. Because mm-hmm. I'm to your point, I'm just thinking if we build a couple of these things. Um, and I know we can't now, but for different reasons, yeah. but, uh, the rent on something like that, I know, cause how many square feet would it be? Do you think, I know it's going to depend on whatever you want, but like you're building what, but you're looking about 350 square feet, 350 square feet. Is it multi-leveled? Like I see these tiny homes on TV or no, it would be just because of the footprint that we have to fit it in. So the bedroom would still be upstairs. Okay. So 350 square feet. So what am I getting in 300? What can you jam in in 350 square feet? So it's all about functional design. And so that's that's one of my biggest um, takes on seeing all the shows and watching some people do it wrong. And my wife and I freak out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, we could do this so much better, right? And because someone uneducated like myself, I'm always amazed. I'm like, I cannot believe they fit all that stuff in there. Oh yeah, you should. You, know? you should. One of them has like a baby's bedroom on them. Like they, they have a baby's. <laughs> they have their bedroom up top as a loft, yeah. kitchen, little living room thing that the the sofa comes down off the wall or whatever. And then they walk through a little baby's bedroom to get to the uh, bathroom or whatever. And oh, I'm yeah. like, all of this is in like 300 square feet. I'm like, how is yeah. this even possible? It's all about functional design. So a lot of these tiny houses, they make it look really cool because you move stuff out of the way to access something. Totally. I love it. It's so good for yeah, TV. Yeah, but it's completely useless. Yeah, I know. Right? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. great it's for TV, practical. but it's, com- it's not practical. Yeah, yeah. So um, we built our 280 square foot model and it's got, um, let me see. Can, th- can we see this on your website? Yes, absolutely. So the website would go truenorthtinyhomes.ca. Yeah. So if you want to see what we're talking about, you can go there after. If you're driving, do not go there. Yes. Now. True. And there's true. a virtual tour, a blue virtual tour button right at the top. You click that and you can go through the Matterport tour of okay. the whole thing. So, so this one awesome. is 280? Yes. Okay, describe it. Yeah. So um, first of all, we put two doors in and we built that one on wheels specifically so we could take it to trade shows. Awesome. Okay. okay. And then we did two doors specifically because we were taking a trade shows. We needed people to come in and, get and out. go out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we have um, quite a good size bathroom, right? Three foot by three foot shower. Shower. It's okay. good, right? Um, we made this one off-grid capable just to show people how that might work, although you couldn't actually survive in this one for more than let's call it 30 hours. Okay, that makes right? sense. But sure, we just yeah. showed people how it could work. So we have a composting toilet and and then there's a, a nice vanity, but it, it, you know, it's a good size bathroom. It looks, it's very high end as well. We wanted to make cost effective, but really high end because you only have so much square footage. 
So, and then we've got um, custom-made kitchen. We've got, uh, what, 14 feet of countertop. And wow, uh, we've got every great. appliance, fridge, microwave, of- stove, oven, dishwasher. Dishwasher is like one of those dryer. mini dishwashers, I guess. Like not a full-size. It's, it's a drawer. Yeah, it's yeah. one of those. Yeah, okay. Uh, and we ended up with a drawer because we had to go over top of the wheel well. Yeah, ah, got it. Yeah, so there's a little few tricky things there. Um, but we have a washer-dryer combo unit in there, right? Um, air conditioning, heating, right? Everything you could want comfort-wise. What's the heat? How are you heating this thing? Uh, electric heating baseboards? Yeah. No, it's um, it's an electric um, mini split. What's so it a does, mi- what's so a it mini does, split? It does, uh, it's ductless. There's just the one wall okay. unit up there that does heating and air conditioning. Oh, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know the type of unit you're talking about. Now, okay. in the minus 30 we had this winter... We sure. had some auxiliary heat going. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah, got it, got it. Because yeah, <laughs> yeah. those things are heat pumps, and they only work to a certain temperature. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it's all spray foam in the walls, but it's a very small space, so it heats up really quickly. The bedroom is one of the... The bathroom's on the loft. Or, sorry, the bedroom is in the loft. Okay. Uh, queen-size bed. But we designed it in such a way, because I, I watched one of this guy gets up into the loft, a builder. Yeah. And he's on his hands and knees and he turns around and goes, this is the biggest loft we've ever built. And I thought, you did something wrong. <laughs> so we designed ours in such a way specifically so there's more room in the loft. So I wouldn't, you can't stand up, but you can walk. Really? Yes. And so, what's so that's under a huge, the, lo- yeah, I don't know the bathroom you... is underneath huh. um, and it's six foot four ceilings inside. Okay. But we, we lowered the chassis of the trailer with a drop axle. So we gained another four inches up top and just the way I built the roof and everything to minim- to maximize that height in the loft. So you're able to shuffle around your feet. But more than that, you're able to, to sit up in the queen mattress with your head against the wall and a lamp above you and read in bed. Yeah, that's nice. You're right now that you're saying that some of the ones that I've seen, I don't think you can do that. You can basically oh, no. just lie down. Exactly. You kind of yeah, shuffle, yeah, yeah, crawl yeah. in there. Yeah. yeah. And then we've got we've got a good sized living room. Now, what you'll see in the virtual tour is that the living room is not. Um, it doesn't seem overly sized, but that's because there's that patio door in there that's not being blocked. But if I was going to build this unit for you, Tom, and um, yeah, you wouldn't need the second. door. You wouldn't need the second door. You'd put another window there, and the couch would go underneath it. Yeah. And then you'd have two chairs on the other side, a dining room mm-hmm. table in the middle. All of a sudden you have a living room slash dining room at the same time. And you got at 280 square feet, I think what you're describing is already a miracle. So I don't think anyone yeah. listening to this is going to say, oh my gosh, I really got ripped off on my yeah. living room size there. Exactly. But I hear what you're saying. That yeah. extra door does present some design challenges uh, so, for you. So did the door in the loft off to our rooftop patio. No way. That was so cool. <laughs> so, so a little fence up there, I guess. On the roof, uh, like no, on the rooftop yeah, patio, yeah. So the the roof on both sides is at maximum height, and then over the kitchen it drops to an eight foot ceiling in the kitchen, um, which is still plenty high. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, but that leaves a drop spot in the roof, and then For we have a, a glass railing on both sides, and there's a rooftop patio up there. No way. But the door to get in is only forty five inches tall. On it, that's okay. You squeak out. Yeah, but I mean, if it wasn't for trade shows and you were going to park it somewhere. Yeah. You'd build a deck and a stair Because this is the idea, I think, that's going on in the States is that a lot of people are buying these tiny homes um, purposely on like a trailer bed yeah. so that they can kind of take them around if they well, want to. Well, yeah, I've had to. a few families talk to me and they're like, yeah, we want to travel North America for a couple of years and end up in Mexico. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can see that becoming like a thing. But in Ontario, you actually can't build them is it le- you can't build them on the trailer bed, right? Well, you can build build them on a trailer. Think of like an RV park. Yeah, okay. But a lot of those places you can't insure until you've taken the wheels off and put it okay. on blocks. So that's the challenge right? you were talking about in Ontario right now. That yeah. if you do build them like that for somebody to insure it, they're going to have to like park it somewhere, right. put it on blocks. And then that's only in an RV park. 
Got it. Right? Okay. And then okay. so you have to register it as an RV model in order to put it in an RV Because I'm just thinking in one of these laneway blah, blah. homes in Hamilton, if I was able to yeah. just build it on the trailer and put it back there, I could have my house and I could move my house to property to property depending on where I wanted to put oh, it. Oh, yeah. So we, so, um, okay. So first as an investor, okay, speed. We can, yeah, you can we can start it. pre-building before you own because we're going to be building it in the factory, right? You take possession of the property. Um, you wheel all the we house. need to do is is um, dig that trench and get the services back there. Costs you what five thousand um, bucks, permitting and other sure, stuff. Yeah, so yeah. let's call it fifteen all in total. And um, we we essentially bring the laneway house in. We'll have prepped the foundation piers and then we just crane it in place. Drop drop and now you're you you're renting unit. out like within 15 days what do you think you could rent that out for if you just had to randomly like i, I know i know mm-hmm. i said the basements were renting out at like 1400 but i'm just thinking randomly i have no concept of it you're doing some stuff with airbnb yeah what if you had to guess what do you think you just, not, not airbnb yeah. but just straight monthly rent what so do you we're think? we're thinking long-term rental um because there's going to be a little bit of a coolness factor to it as well yeah totally um that we should be able to get about 1800 you think so I think he might be right. I think he might be right, which I would have probably disagreed with you even like five years ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. I think he might be right. Yeah. $1,800 in extra income on one rental property. That costs you $100,000 to buy it. Yeah. Yeah. You might double the gross rental income on a property by adding an extra $100,000 in this, you know, tiny home at the back. Yeah. I hope Hamilton passes some of this stuff. (laughs) <laughs> Toronto, I guess, is having the very similar issues. Like you can't do this stuff in. No, no, you're saying 2,000 square feet. People are doing in Toronto. Yeah. So Toronto has less of these hassles. So you yeah. could. There do... still are properties that will only allow a certain size. Sure. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Got it. But if you, but but if anyone listening to this in Toronto had a property, um, does the Toronto bylaws? Do you know? Do, is it an existing garage that has to be there, or nope. is it just no, you, you can build the build from scratch? And the beautiful thing about parking there is that. Um, Unless they've changed it. But um, as of last summer, when I was reading the bylaws that was coming out, you only need space to lean two bicycles. Oh, really? You don't need the second spot? Yeah. Got it. I love that. Lean two bicycles. <laughs> and I'm sure they have some crazy measurements that you have to meet to meet that. But I'm sure we can all achieve that. Yeah. yeah. So if you have a rental property in Toronto, um, I used to have a student rental that I sold um, but that student rental was up by York University. It had a garage out in the back. Daniel, don't try and break our. This is high quality <laughs> furniture, Daniel. This is the this is the highest grade A stuff Costco will sell you. Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> um, don't try and break the desk here. But I, I was just uh, saying at York, I used to have one of those homes. It was a semi-detached, three-level semi. So actually, four levels with the basement. We finished the basement right, with a yeah. walk-up. But it had a garage in the back. And I was just thinking now, geez, you know, we kind of rented that out just for the cars. Right. So and right now. At one point we were renting out like 50 bucks a month and we were like jackpot, <laughs> you know, two spots. That's a hundred bucks a month. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'm like, holy crap. Now we could be doing something very different. Maybe not yet. So the way the bylaws do read is it has to be on a single family home. Got it. Semi-detached. Now, however. But there are a bunch of single family homes up in that subdivision right by York that do have these garages. So yeah, I okay. bet they could do it. But um, now I'll speak to Hamilton more specifically just because I know it a lot better. But they, the reason they started with laneway houses on single family detached is because they anticipated that that would have the least amount of backlash by the constituents. Yeah. So their Got idea it. is to, within the next year, change it to be allowed on duplexes and semi-detached. Yeah, and then a year it. later to allow it on multifamily. And then maybe oh a year God. later to allow it if there's not even a laneway. 
this is ludicrous because if you can allow it on a duplex in Hamilton, you could have a single family home that you legally convert into a duplex. Yeah. But then you can add a tiny kind of laneway home yeah. in the back as well. And if your upstairs is renting for like sixteen hundred, your downstairs is renting for fourteen, and your cool tiny home is renting in the back for like eighteen hundred or whatever it may be, geez. Yeah. This really changes a lot of stuff. That could be interesting. This is gonna be a really interesting to watch over the next year, two, three years. Yeah. See what happens in Hamilton. Could present a lot of opportunity for all of us investors and yeah. for yourself doing these kinds yeah. of things. Yeah. And and it, of course, I would like to do it both sides. So the one company will handle all the uh, permitting. Yeah, the I can see you. Smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. White Willow <laughs> Designs got well designed, but but you know, and we're joking about it. But you do need. I mean, I, I guess it's going to sound self-serving coming from yourself and me talking about this from a real estate point of view. But you do need people who know what they're doing just to navigate through the city and stuff. Yeah. And it is going to be hard. And a lot of people will get screwed because they won't do it the right way and the whole bit, like everything in real estate. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's a yeah. really interesting opportunity. Even if um, even if it just starts with you can only do it on a fully detached home and mm-hmm. they get that passed, that is alone yeah. a big enough opportunity. But then if it if it eventually goes into semi-detached homes and things like that and you can do it, or sorry, semi-detached or um, legal duplexes and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah, wow. no, it's gonna be it's gonna be huge. Now here's a here's a funny thing. So in a recent um, council meeting or something, um, the uh, city of Hamilton said they're they're expecting about five applications per year. Yeah, I think so, they're about to be shocked. <laughs> I think I know more I would investors like to prove myself. them wrong, okay? Yeah, yeah, we happen to know a few investors that uh, would be all over. The, well, you should you should know this. Some of our investors do get super creative. Like um, one investor we work with, she's an absolute amazing woman. She got a house that uh, the city of Hamilton would not approve for a legal second unit. I hope I'm sharing this accurately um, because of ceiling height. You know, the ceiling height wasn't enough. So what she did is she hired a company and a contractor with a crane and they cut the house and she lifted this, the the floor up and then reconnected everything and rebuilt this house so that she had the ceiling height clearance. That sounds like a really expensive way. Oh yeah, no, but she, you, you have to meet her to understand (laughs) one of her houses, another house, the city of Hamilton, uh, would not allow her to do, I think like a second unit, um, I forget the the setbacks weren't right on the house and she thought the lot was big enough where she could build like a whole, almost like a duplex above ground. Right. So she got the same crane guy. I believe it was the same crane guy. Uh, we'll have to have her on so she can explain these stories, but um, to pick up the house and uh, uh, move it 90 degrees. So it was sideways so that she could have enough of a space in the back to build a second house. So I oh, guess my, my the reason I'm sharing this is to your point about demand. I think there's going to be more than five applications a year uh, for this kind of stuff. But it also meets another demand. You know, over the last year, we've been talking about just the population explosion in Ontario and the housing crisis that now even the government admits exists in Toronto and Ontario. We need these types of, like whether we want them or not, or the constituents are going to argue with them. The bottom line is when you have this much population growth coming into Ontario, we need these kinds of solutions because people can't find places to rent Never mind, like buy or live or you know do whatever. Oh, yeah. So these kinds of solutions are going to get more and more important. Yeah. Um, so when you go to trade shows, I'm curious, what are you, uh, what are you showing as the possibility at the trade show? You're just kind of using it as some of your design expertise because right now, yeah, like or people could still. Well, a lot of people. So 
first of all, I got there and the number of people were like, oh, what is this? I've never seen something like this before. Like, where have you been? But um, but then other people may have seen it on TV, but standing inside one is completely different, right? Like, so we had one time, we had 14 people standing in there, right? We actually had this quite a few times. And um, someone goes, oh, yeah, so it feels quite roomy. How many square feet is this? I had 280. And they look around at the number of people inside and go, really? Like, how do we? I don't feel squished in here. I'm like, yeah, it's all, you know, designing it properly. Right? That, that's the beauty of Cool. Our you can tell you really, uh, you yeah. really pride yourself in the design, which is cool. That to, to me is an, a real artistic, creative exercise. So uh, I have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can tell. Um, so at the trade shows, is your purpose for that to use that um, to showcase your design skills? Or are you really trying to sell tiny homes even today, right now? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So, a lot of people get worried about the, um, the, we'll call it legality, but I mean, there's been arguments too of, well, you can't really call it illegal because it's not like someone's going to come arrest you and put you in jail for living in a tiny house. Yeah, they, yeah. they might fine you for having your house on the wrong property, right? But um, the number of people that actually buy these and then go live in a farmer's backyard where no one can see them from the road um, is actually quite staggering. There, there are quite a few of them in Ontario, and they're just waiting for it to become more legal. Yeah, got it. Right? Got it. Makes sense. I don't know how soon it will be to be on wheels. Um, now, I know there's a Tay Valley Township between Kingston and Ottawa. Okay. Um, allowed tiny houses to be primary residences um, last uh, October 31st, which is kind of cool because I made up this whole banner for a trade show, and you know, and I had to scratch some stuff off on day one. <laughs> Because it just started changing. And every day things are changing yeah, around here. Cool. But um, I don't know. Like, I mean, they say tiny homes, but I don't know if once you get into the definitions, if they're, they're allowing the wheels or it has to be on foundation okay. or what all that means. Okay. But it, it's cert- certainly the opportunities are o- opening up every day and they're just going to become greater for sure. And is that what you're seeing that Quebec has allowed? They've said, okay, fine, you can. we're going to allow villages or subdivisions to be built full of tiny homes because it's totally good. Under 800 square feet is totally fine with us. Is that what they've done out there? Um, there there's a bit of that. And okay. um, I think more recently to that one in Edmonton that I mentioned, and uh, um, although my business partner is a little skeptical on how they're using land because they're, and it's not quite Edmonton. They're saying Edmonton. It's like us saying uh, Oakville's part of Toronto. Toronto, right? yeah, 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 which right? we all say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, so they're they're taking this thing that's more or less in a town, and taking downtown land and creating um, uh, a tiny home village out of it. And some people are doing it for for veterans, and some people are doing it for got it um, okay. lower income households and that sort of stuff. Um, but the idea is they're doing it on part parcel of land that maybe could be used in a better density way still right yeah got it um but you know what it kind of reminds sorry go on yeah i was going to say if if you get just a little bit more rural where there is more land already and there's stuff that's not being used you know so that's what we're trying to do let's create villages there right of 50 to 70 homes um not quite a subdivision uh, because that all of a sudden makes it unaffordable again because of all the red tape you have to go through. So we're looking at um, ways to do like land lease situations. Got it. uh, Things like that, cooperatives. Yeah, cool, cool. It reminds me when we were in Las Vegas, Nick and I were some mastermind group we were a part of. I think it was... I think it was Yannick Silver's Maverick group. He did this coolest thing where he organized a behind the scenes tour of, of Zappos, which is like 
uh, online shoe retailer that um, Amazon ended up yeah. buying. They moved their headquarters into downtown, like old city Las Vegas. And what the CEO did, I think Tony Shea is his name. What he did is right next to the headquarters in some downtown land, he was us- using just metal containers. Yeah. And they started getting a contractor to build, uh, stack them up and build office space. And I think residential, yeah. I think it was straight up residential too. And we toured it. I just don't remember the insides too well. I feel like I was just in the outside looking at them. But they were stacking up metal containers and building these out as full out commercial offices and residential units. Yeah. So I see a lot of that starting to happen as well, just because of the stuff that I follow. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So it it feels like housing is really taking it to, I don't know where we're headed next, but uh, (laughs) my mind's just kind of blown with the investment um, angle of it, especially in Hamilton uh, to what you're saying. Because if that legalizes, which is for myself and Nick, just on some of our properties alone, I'm just thinking, holy smokes, this could be a really, because we, there's, there's one specific property we always talk about, just a huge lot. Um, It has a garage on it right now. And we've always just kind of looked at it and we're like, when are we going to build something on here? But we've just kind of put it on the back burner. But when something like this goes legal, mm-hmm. this just seems like um, a no-brainer opportunity to really uh, really increase uh, the income on a property, especially with properties that you've owned for some time because there's yeah. enough equity in the property to kind of extract and kind of pay for the build of the uh, of this expansion that you might do right. with a tiny home on it. Yeah, big opportunity. I really think there's going to be more than five applications. A I year. think so too. I'm por- pointing as da- at Daniel's head when I say this. <laughs> I really think it's. I, I know you do. So what what am I not asking about these homes that I should be asking or that people should know about this kind of stuff? Am I missing the obvious on this? Um, not really. But we can talk a bit about the Airbnb we have going. Oh yeah 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 yeah. So we we built this model. Where it's winter time, we're like, what do we do with it? Well, we have no. Yeah, you're not like, going to trade like, shows at pro- this time. And a property manager, like my, my uh, business partner, has all this data on. Okay, well, if we're uh, between this street and this street, and you have a one bedroom unit, and you can get this, but if you add like a washer dryer, you can add thirty five dollars a month. Blah blah blah. Right? He's got all this data, and then people ask us about the tiny home. We're like, hmm, we have no data. It doesn't exist. Yeah, you're, you're- so we had to start creating it. So we're like, okay, we're gonna we'll open it up for Airbnb rentals and um, create data and see what happens, and uh, we can't keep the thing empty. So where is it in Hamilton? Where is it's it? It's not even in Hamilton. Where is it? It's in Vineland. Oh, really? So oh. now, if you ask people from Vineland, of which it's in my business partner's side yard, um, Vineland's in the middle of everything. Yeah, yeah got but it. for those of us who don't live there, it's in the middle of nowhere. Nowhere, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it's because you in twenty minutes you can get to Fort Erie or Niagara yeah, Falls or what, totally. whatever, right? Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's it's great. Like January was really busy because wine festival was going on. Oh, I was gonna say ice why wine? January. Right? Oh, really? So, um, like it was really busy in the Airbnb. And it, it was crazy, but I mean, we get people coming. Like we had a couple stay there. They they um, don't own a car because they live downtown, but so much so they never even got a license. They couldn't even rent a car. So they would Uber. When you say downtown, you mean downtown Hamilton? Or like Toronto or oh, whatever. Oh, okay, right? okay. And, and yeah. came to stay in this thing for the experience. And they would Uber 10 minutes to the bus station to take a 45-minute bus to Niagara Falls every day so they could still enjoy the experience of staying over in a time. And home. that's the thing that you have going for you with this. It is an experiential thing that yes. you're renting out, yeah. right? So yeah. are you able to share with us what people pay generally? So we started numbers? out with Airbnb setting the rates for us okay. just to see what would happen. So we were down at like $36 a night for a while because okay. I mean, it's only so many square feet. Whatever. Yeah. And you're like, okay, well, we'll see what happens, right? Um, but we're over $100 a night now, easy. Wow. And then plus a cleaning fee, right? Yeah, yeah I got and, it. Um, so we're thinking, well, what happens when the weather warms up? We can open the rooftop patio. Yeah. Um, People can have cocktails lot, on the yeah. roof. It'll, it'll, like, 
what can we ask for in the summer and still get it? Right? The so Airbnb, uh, short-term rentals, the whole Airbnb opportunity just seems to be exploding all over the place. Like I think a lot of people just thought it was Toronto condos. Uh, we have some investors that we work with that are doing Airbnb in Welland, Ontario. You know, they have kind yeah. of homes and tourists are staying there. Um, we have people doing Airbnb out in Turks and Caicos. Like the Airbnb thing just seems to be all over the place. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, like I've, when my wife and I travel somewhere, we go look up Airbnb where like, you know, you're going to a certain something for a, a festival for the weekend. We look for a place that's got its own kitchen, whatever. We can cook our own food. Totally. I think own, my, my cool wife thing. on the last girl's trip uh, with some of her friends to New York City, uh, they want to stay in Soho and they did Airbnb. They got yeah. someone's Airbnb. I think they met the person like in the bar. The person who owned it, I think, was like working in the bar underneath or something. They met in the bar, <laughs> got the keys and went up and it's perfect, right? You're right yeah. where you want to be. Um, so at $100 a night, if you can get some occupancy going 12 months a year, you just need a couple of these things and you're you're good to go. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so we're looking at ways to get. Um, so we're like we're trying to take my business partner's property and turn it into uh, zone it as a bed and breakfast and put like it. three of them on there. Yeah. Right. Gosh. So it's a little bit of a process well, because a bed and breakfast is supposed, right area. supposed to be one house. Yeah, so we got to kind of work through it. Yeah. I mean, as entrepreneurs, I mean, that's our job as real estate investors is to navigate all these freaking yeah. bylaws and figure out all this nonsense and make it work to our advantage. You know, yeah, like exactly um, if we all just stopped at the first and I know you don't. But if we all just stopped at the first sign of like, no, we'd yeah. never get anywhere. Well, it's interesting because I met with the region of Niagara because that's where we want to put our um, retirement village and um, our retirement village full of tiny homes. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So um, sorry. Adult lifestyle community. OK. 50 got plus. It. Got it. Um, not assisted living. Okay? Got it. <laughs> um, but the guy at the region. How dare you say assisted living? <laughs> when we're having the actual um, formal meeting, he's very quiet and he's thinking about his answers because it's like an official answer of things, right? But then we were like done the formal part and we, we got talking about, um, you know, how his dad had retired and whatever, how he wished this sort of thing had been around three years ago or whatever, right? And um and then even in the follow-up emails and stuff, like they, they really love this idea and they think it's going to be awesome because, I mean, the, the, no one has enough um, space in existing retirement homes as it is and all that sort of stuff, right? So, for, for instance, when we go get um, an application at White Willow Design for a, a house remodel and we put an elevator in, um, it more or less guarantees our approval because people can age in place there. Even if we're doing it for someone who's in their 20s, Got it doesn't it. matter, cities right? Like Just, they like it because yeah, now okay. more people are able to live in that house sure. down the road, Got right? It. Um, but so they love this idea um, even at the region. And they, they even gave me this advice. like, So when you go and meet, so Niagara's two-tiered, okay? You got to get approvals of the region and then in the township. And um, they said, so when you go to the townships and you're you're looking for um, how to maneuver this at that level, everyone's only going to try to be putting you in this box and you, and you got to keep talking about outside the box. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. I'm getting this from like, yeah, a government <laughs> yeah, official. Exactly. Who are you? How did you end up in that seat? He's like, what you're doing is outside the box. You got to keep thinking that way. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, wow. I'm just, I didn't expect talking to you today to hear about these different angles. I thought you were going to be talking about tiny homes, building on some trailer and stuff, but all these other opportunities yeah. are really huge yeah. for all of us. Um, so, um, okay, with with that, I, uh, we want to hand out your design and, and we'll talk about anything else that you want to talk about. I just want to make sure I get these URLs out. So the design company, White Willow Design, the URL for that is whitewillowdesign.ca. Correct. Yep, absolutely. Um, and then tiny homes is true north tiny homes.ca. 
at a minimum, it sounds like you're going to want to go and check out the virtual tour of the 200 yeah. square. Uh, there, there's not a heck of a lot le- more on that website because we're just okay. like, that's let's enough. get this out. We need yeah, a virtual yeah, tour. That's enough. <laughs> um, but how are we going to, Are you, I, I assume you're going to be screaming from the top of the mountains or we can just make a deal right now uh, to have you back again. But definitely when Hamilton makes any of its bylaw changes that might affect some of this stuff, we'd love to have you back on this podcast just talking about what they've done and what are the opportunities because I think from an investment point of view, it's huge. And we should right. all know about it. So, and, and um, you know, once we actually get a few tre- tre- few trenches dug, yeah, 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 because yeah. um, that'll be like, all right, now we know this thing's actually yeah, happening. Because when you get around that, either with a bylaw change or some other solution. I'm just thinking of a pipe going over the house of sewage where you pump out the sewage over the house or whatever, <laughs> whatever we need to do to figure out that. Because uh, as soon as that's open to us, um, yeah, I, I, my just head's spinning with all like, the different opportunities. We're looking for people who, because we can make it happen. Um, we're looking for people to start now. Forget about waiting for people. Um, yeah, because you want the pro- you want the thing yeah, to push it through exactly. the city. Yeah, got um, it. And think about, like, people are saying... Oh, I know what we haven't talked about. So what we talked about was as a laneway house, it's supposed to be a rental. But because of really what you think of as a tiny house, of it being on a trailer, even so we're going to be building these things, even if they're modular, we're going to be building them in a warehouse. It's climate controlled. All the trades and the materials go to one place. It's a lot more cost effective to do, right? Um, so for now, we have a warehouse that's like we're renting square footage in someone else's place just to be able to build one at a time. But I mean, we hope to be at the place of building four or five um, at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. In a year from now. Right. But um, we essentially have to get it there somehow. So it's being trailered, whether you're calling the unit a trailer or not. And then we're mechanically connecting it to the steel um, pier foundation system that we put in. But what's, so we have found a way to, if I want to buy a tiny home and put it on my own property, I can't mortgage it because the mortgage company only looks at one, yeah, bi- one building. Yeah, yeah, got it. But if you want to buy a tiny home and put it on my property, you can mortgage it. How, how's that? How's that? The bank looking at it? Because I don't own your property. Right. Because they're, they're only looking at the building. It's, it won't be a traditional mortgage, but we'll just use the term mortgage, right? So it'll be a little higher rate or whatever, but you can still get financing on it which is the beautiful thing um, because it's zero down and, and whatever, you're still making money. Um, yeah, yeah. So zero now down what, the- what if you have a property and I have a property and we both want to put a tiny home on it, but we both like to finance it so that we're not using our capital. Why don't we pay for each other's? You got it. But why won't, so how, how is the bank looking at that differently? I don't understand because if I don't own, I'm buying it as just this investment that's independent of the land I own. So one of the worries at the beginning was, well, if you're trailing it there, what's to stop people from just uh, like they're thinking it? about on wheels? Why don't you just drive away with it again? Yeah, right? So okay. it has to be mechanically actually, you know, on okay. a foundation on the property. Okay. But um, it's essentially halfway between a vehicle loan and a mortgage. Oh, got it. Right. Got so it. it's kind of weird, um, but we found a way to do it. And I mean, we'd love to try it out. Um, <laughs> so you found a bank that's willing but to lend But because up. of that, we're able to now sell a tiny home to one person. And all you have to pay for on your property is a service to services to get to the back and the building permit. So let's call it 15000 Yeah, got it. And now um, my client can buy a tiny home and put it on your property and pay you a land lease fee. 
Got it. So they have. So now your rate there. of returns even higher because you only put in fifteen thousand. Fifteen thousand, and I'm doing a land lease for them to have their tiny home that they then rent out. I assume. Oh, probably they're going to live there. Oh, got it, got it. So I a lot see. of a lot of leads. What you're saying? Yeah, 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 a lot yeah. of leads I've gotten are yeah, from young it. professional women. Yeah, yeah, who are like, uh, like I'm a doctor. I'm at the hospital all the time. Why do I need a big house? Yeah, got it. Huh? Someone else owns the land. They're buying the house. You land lease it to them. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Damn. There's a lot of different yeah. things you could do with this. But because we're able to build it in the warehouse, we don't actually have to permit it until the day we're putting it in the property. So the biggest thing is a permit cannot be issued before July 6th. Otherwise, you're paying the 38000 of development yeah, fees. Yeah, got it. They're not doing a back Got it. So you're, say, you're basically saying Daniel's ready to start right now. Yes. Because you could build them. I would them love to build one. Because yeah. you can build them right now. And we right can have now. them ready. Yeah. And then so, apply for the permit so, on July 6th. So uh, what's the best way to read? So we gave out your URLs. What's <laughs> oh, the yeah, best go, way? Are go you on there. My I, phone number's on there. Yeah, Email and all us. your contact yeah. information's on, on there. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, and it sounds like Hamilton is where your expertise lies, I, I have a feeling you will do it anywhere. Yeah. But in uh, Well, let's take Burlington Oakville then. It yeah. can't be detached, but it can be attached. But now I take a prefabricated rental unit, let's call it that, and I bring it to your backyard. I like how you have the name for it now. It's a prefabricated <laughs> rental unit rolling down the QEW. Yeah, exactly. We bring it into your backyard and we attach it to your house. It just overlaps by two feet. Yeah, got it. Because that's the bylaw in Oakville and Burlington that it has yeah. to be attached. Yeah. Yeah, got it. And that's your accessory apartment. So if anyone listening to this is ready to do this with Daniel, we're going to have to have you both on to talking about this whole adventure. And how it works out for them, yes. Yeah, yeah, I'd exactly. love to see that too. But yeah. regardless, this yeah. or otherwise, we're going to have to have you back on because this cool. is going to be an ongoing uh, conversation. Love to. Um, yeah, Daniel, pleasure chatting. Pleasure getting to know you better. Thanks yeah. for coming on. We dragged you all the way to our offices. I don't think you fully knew what you were getting yourselves into. but oh, that's uh, fine. This was awesome. I love so, doing this. Yeah, cool. <laughs> so, uh, Daniel, thank you so much. We'll link to everything in the show notes if you're listening to this and we'll chat with Daniel again soon. Awesome. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks, so. Hey, everyone. So I think after listening to that, if you weren't kind of blown away, I just want to re-articulate the value of these tiny homes that if in Toronto or in Hamilton, if you have a house that is kind of has enough lot space to drop a tiny home on there, you might be able to increase the income substantially on the property. And if we ever get to the point where you can do a legal accessory unit, second suite, legal duplex, whatever you want to call it on a property, um, you might be able to rent the top floor of a home in Hamilton, for example, the bottom floor of a home to generate income. So already now we're generating more income than we used to by renting out the home entirely to one family. And then if you drop a tiny home on the home as well, um, you really might be able to drop, uh, sorry, you might really be able to not drop the income, really increase the income substantially. So um, who knows where this is headed? Who knows how all these bylaws play out over the next few months? But it does seem like within the next kind of the short term, the next three months, six months, year, there's a lot of interesting developments happening um, that many of us should be paying attention to. And this is the kind of thing that you want to pay attention to because most people think it's not possible to make cash flow properties um, in Ontario, in the greater Toronto, Golden Horseshoe area, but it's always there's always creative ways to do things. Um, and this definitely seems like one of those. So we'll have Daniel back on as soon as there's updates to share. Thanks for listening. Um, if you are listening to this and you want to come out to one of our classes, the best URL to go to to register is CanadianRealEstateTraining.com. That's CanadianRealEstateTraining.com. You can check it out there. Nick and I give the class. We'll meet you, chat, answer all your questions, do all that wonderful stuff. I think that's it for now. Until next time, your life, your terms.